0: Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. All right, gentlemen, we're back after a whole month of pride episodes. Um so I think we're going to start with that. Uh Will, that's 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 the plan. We're going to chat yeah. about how it went, what we yep. thought, um and, you know, feedback from the community.
1: So Sure. Well, why don't you why don't you start, bud? Oh, well, I'm going to start and direct. I'll go last for what I thought cuz I kind of want to ask you guys uh what you thought first. Yeah, that's so, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to start with Nick. What did you think of the last four episodes, Nick? Oh, always oh, with me over here, okay?
2: Okay. I'll see how it is. Um I love them. Because They're my
1: favorite. I,
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. I've been waiting approximately 1 year and 1 month for this <laughs> to happen, guys. You're now. That's why I invited, invited Will on the show in the first place? I Good want job. to be favorite. favorite. <laughs> winning right now, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. I so for this last four episodes, it was it it was a time to learn and a, and a time to grow. Um f- for me. Um I I was pretty excited for, for this year's lineup and like it's a hundred percent out of my comfort zone and out of my element. But that's why I love it. Like, it's not something that's in my everyday life and things like that. So Sam's interview was great. He, I learned so much just from talking with him or listening and talk. Because Brent and Will, you guys slayed that interview. Yeah, you guys did a great job. That was all Brent. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys killed the interview. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Sam's now. He wasn't someone I've read before. Um, and so I'm definitely going to be looking at Sam more towards the future. Uh, a Blade Between is on my my. Q list uh, of books to read, if you will. Um, but yeah, just really loved it. I felt they were wholesome and they were very inclusive. And there's a lot to learn and gain from.
1: Awesome. That's so good. And Marshall, what are your thoughts on it? Uh,
0: I was, uh, you know, emotionally, I feel like I was a little all over the map for those episodes, uh, mostly because when we started with the first one, it was it was back to, I don't know, kind of a reapproach of the first time we did uh, tried a pride episode, just me and Nick. Um, it was nice to revisit that um, and see, and like like Nick said, um, see how far how much growth has been there and stuff like that. And I thought that was good. Um, the interview with my wife, um, just getting her on the show was a big deal for me, um, so I appreciate you guys pushing me to make that happen. Um, the feedback from my family. Um, those that have listened, um, especially my in-laws, their side, um, the, great feedback. I didn't even know some of them were listening and they reached out and I don't know if it was, and they listened to not just the one with Kate, but, uh, the one before as well. So uh, feedback was great on those. And, and like I said, I emotionally, it was a lot to kind of put myself out there, but I really do appreciate the community kind of being okay with that and letting, letting that space, uh, happen. So that was really, I really appreciated that. And the the Sam, the Sam episode was amazing. And you guys listening to you two, uh, grill each other in that third episode. Um, that was, that was for me, I was just like, I don't have to do anything. And these guys are just really, really hitting it. So I, I loved it. Um, Sam and, and Sam's work is phenomenal. So if anybody hasn't checked it out, you have to do that. Um, but that interview was great. I think it was a perfect way to wrap it up. So I'm, I'm glad we did all four, um, did four episodes that month and, and, and it was a great plan. And I just, I thought it was awesome. So um, thanks for pushing us to, to, to make it all happen. Well,
1: Of course. So I guess my question is what was your feedback from your family? Was there feedback that you were surprised by that they said to you? Well, one, the fact that some of them were even listening and that was a
0: big deal. Um, some of the community feedback I got to um, I've, I know there was a few coworkers Um. That were like, oh, I listened to your your Pride episodes and and I love them. I was like, you actually listened to my podcast, so it was kind of those kind of reactions. But the the feedback was great. A lot of um, people that know Katie reached out and were like, you know, um, or thank you for sharing this. Um, I want to make you know everything that came out of that interview with her um, was good. And we had some folks uh, who have queer or trans family say thank you so that meant a lot
1: that's amazing now were these people who regularly listen to the show and you just didn't know it or did they know you were doing um a well, show about this
0: one i listened one i knew listened um because she's a patron and a, and a co-worker of mine um and she helps with the spectrum club that i run at, at at fort Bragg high school so thanks carrie for the feedback on that but there were a couple other folks um that work at other sites that just know us um you know, from all these years that I didn't realize, listen and reached out after they heard that, especially after they heard the episode with Katie. So, um, it was, it was nice to see that people in my little community in this community, I'm very frustrated with at the moment, um, actually listen to the show. So it means I I feel like I'm reaching the, uh, a community more locally, if that makes sense. Um, cause it's yeah. one thing to get feedback online. It's one thing to get feedback from the discord and stuff. Cause you expect that on some level, but, um, to have local folks who I've known for a while not only give positive feedback, but say thank you for sharing, thank you for you know being open, that kind of thing. That that meant a lot because that means they know us, and that means they know Zoe, um, and that means they know um, what we're going through and and are there and support. You know what I mean? So,
1: so let me ask you before we move on to Bren, um, <laughs> what was your um what was Katie's takeaway from it? being the first time she did it, not just being here, but also then being, um, people coming to her, talking to her about being a guest on the show.
0: I think for her, from the conversations we had, it was a little bit of a sigh of relief, um, when the feedback came and it was not only positive, but encouraging and you should, you know, liking the fact that she stepped up and did that, you know what I mean? And a lot of her friends know, not only she doesn't podcast she doesn't listen to podcasts either so it's one of those things where um they you know they acknowledged how hard that must have been for her but at the same time um we're really appreciative so that was that was really good
1: and since that she's now been on a podcast did she ever talk about like you being like the, oh my gosh like this is what you do and I didn't realize like either how fun it was or how scary it was or like like were there any like comments about that Yeah. The first thing that she
0: actually said when she listened to it, because of course, once I finished editing it, I had, I shot it to her first um, and because she had to, and you guys too, but she had to see how it sounded, you know, to make sure she, in her, in her words, didn't sound crazy. Um, And she's like, wow, I sound, sounded good. You did a good job in making me sound good. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like what I do. So like me cleaning up things and and making the the conversation flow a little bit in post. Um, she was really appreciative of that. So
1: that's great. So Brent, uh, what was your takeaway um, of the Pride episodes? Hmm.
3: Um, I enjoyed them. I think that you know it was definitely that. Okay, I'll be honest. I I don't think I would re listen to some of these conversations just because they were really tough conversations and I just don't know if I want to do that to myself again. But um, but it was I think it was good to have the conversation. I absolutely love having Sam on. Like Sam's a friend, so it was great getting the chance to talk to him and and uh, kind of learn about his process and how he thinks and and whatnot so yeah that was good overall i think it i think the episodes were good it was good to have those conversations i just i know for me a few of those topics i'm like okay i'm not i can't listen to that again but uh yeah but still good
0: well then it's a good thing yeah. you don't do the editing huh? <laughs> um but on did sam say anything back
3: um he hasn't messaged me or anything uh but Um, I can definitely check in with him and see. But part of it was because I was out of town, too. So I didn't really get a chance to, like, follow up with him.
1: Uh, So I guess, um, are you upset with the questions I was asking you? Because if so, I apologize.
3: No, not upset at all. It's just that some stuff was, like, I hadn't thought about in a really long time. Especially the story about my trans friend. And I was like, I don't want to think about that anymore. So I don't want to, like, have to listen to that again. But... And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not me being, it's not your questions that that that, that I don't want to come across that way. It's just that there, there are certain things that, like, I have worked really hard to not think about, and I don't want to think about that again. So, yeah, it was just, it, it, but it was still, I think it was still good to, I think it was still good to um have the conversation, though. I don't regret the conversation. It's just that, I don't know how much replay value I I want out of it, but yeah.
1: I got you. I completely understand. Because we all know what episode I haven't replayed. Um, (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, I haven't even listened (laughs) to it now. Not doing it. Um, Uh, That's fine. I guess for me, I feel like I'm a little bit on the other corner. I was trying to ask probing questions and things that were challenging. Uh, and I guess to like Brent's point, it's cause I like to dig deep, which I can, I know can really be, um, this is why people don't like me. Okay. So like, so, um, it's true. That's why they don't like me. Um, I really enjoyed all the episodes. I think that, Brent, that's you also, not, that's not
0: why we don't like you. Will.
1: Well, well. Oh, so there's other reasons. That's fine though. I'm comfortable (laughs) with that.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. I want to make you laugh, buddy.
1: (laughs) It's okay. I'm I'm used to this. Um, Yeah. I think uh, all I keep thinking about is what can we do next year to dig deeper and also have fun and um, challenge ourselves some more. So I keep thinking over that, but um you know, I guess we'll find out next year. I did want to read some comments that we had in Discord because I asked for some feedback. And tonight, before recording, I definitely asked some feedback. So I want you to read, I want to read some stuff to everyone. And just in case you guys didn't get a chance to check it, because it was literally like 20 minutes ago. This is from Becca, and they said, I love that you acknowledged both the anger and the joy of being queer in a world that still, for some reason, thinks of queerness as a bad thing. I felt seen and understood so many times listening to these episodes and will re-listen many times just to hear the way you all encourage and support each other on your own journeys. Also, because this is a writing podcast, you all gave me the extra encouragement i needed to continue writing characters who look more like me because even if all of us write these stories there will still never be enough and then i have uh, another one from jesse in our discord i'm more motivated to write about my experiences as a queer person especially someone who came into her queerness later in life then even after listening to your episodes It's a topic I've shied away from because I didn't feel like my voice was worth adding to the mix, but listening to your voices helped me realize that I was wrong. The Pride episodes brought me to tears in multiple times. The vulnerability and honesty was so, so needed and so refreshing to listen to. It was a joy to have a peek into your lives and experiences, and it was empowering to listen to them. You all kept coming back to the idea of queer people coming home and creating their own version of a home that felt safe and welcoming, along with the idea of a chosen family. The idea hit hard with me as someone who has never really felt like a part of any community. This series was one of my first times I was like, oh, these are my people, I found them, um, in relation to my own queerness. Um, there is a couple more that I just wanted to like briefly
0: no, and, and, and while you look for them, I mean, this is why we have the Discord, right? This is where we can come together and people can literally tell us what they think about what we're doing. And it helps us. And And I love the fact that um, people are willing to share and that we're actually reaching the community. That's why we started this show in the first place was for this community, right?
1: Yeah, and I think this is... Um, I'm going to totally get this screen name wrong. So it's LOL, Joy sob facepalm oh there we go i said it right lots of things struck me but yeah, maybe my right. <laughs> yeah. but maybe my biggest takeaway was that this is a great model for caring tough conversations where people can remain present while talking about hard things where th- there aren't necessarily a lot of scripts uh we also had um this was a really great one uh from cheryl look everyone She was like, I agree with what the others have said. It was an episode where you didn't just say, look, everyone, we have an inclusive podcast where we talk about things we want to see in fiction in the world. You actually took the time to reflect back to each other what we've seen, learned, and experienced, and what you each want more of it showed that you're all willing to go deep with each other and with your work. And in having that discussion, you modeled for us, what kind of work really looks like. And it was just super lovely, how supportive you all are of each other. I'm all about listening to other people's love fest for each other. Um, So that was just some of the comments and I guess, you know, how do you all feel from me reading some of the new ones that you just heard?
0: Yeah. I think the first two that you read came a little bit ago.
1: Yep. <laughs> and and
0: I just I I love the fact that people are finding um a, a safe space, honestly, to share and that we're we're providing. And that's that was kind of the whole point of some of those conversations and those topics and, and doing four episodes uh in June, right? So I appreciate everybody's feedback. Thank you, Discord.
3: Yeah, I think um I'm happy that they that they saw the honesty that um, we were trying to approach this with, because not everything we talked about was um uh, we were we weren't all in lockstep on every single topic and conversation, and you know, and, but we were. I, I can I think I can say we were all pretty honest about exactly how we felt on things. And I'm, I'm happy people saw that and that they appreciate it. Uh, I'll echo
2: what Marshall and Brent just said, but it, it's kind of crazy that I'm part of this, like that I've helped build, build something, you know, that's this supportive, inclusive, and great for such a diverse community. And, and going back to, you know, why we started this, Marshall, right? Oh, <laughs> we're getting there, <laughs> you know? And didn't think, I don't know. It's weird seeing the progress and seeing what we've been able to overcome um, and achieve and just kind of what we're able to do for other writers um, that may not have had it before, you know, something that I feel like we're doing different than other writing podcasts and communities. So I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad it's working. Um, Yeah. And I'm so ready to keep doing, what we're doing and moving forward and making it better
3: so i lied sam did say something I, lied. I just was going through my tweets i'm like wait did sam reply to me about something he replied so um he said uh thank you brent um so awesome chatting with y'all and so grateful to have you as a reader friend so it was you know so nice. yes
0: yeah. okay sweet and 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 that was one of the things i wanted to echo to what um I don't know, Nick, we, we set out to, you know, kind of start there are a lot of writing communities out there and we had, we felt like we had a community when we met a lot of these folks originally, like on the cruises and the retreats and stuff like that. But to be able to continue that and make it, um, and and see what it's becoming is, is it, it means a lot. It makes you feel good. So I think, um, I think us being as vulnerable as we were this last month, I think uh, people are, people are feeling like they can, they can also go to the discord and ask for help and, and, yeah. and support and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. So yeah, percent. to present the will.
1: I mean, I feel really touched about it. Um, I know in my questioning, I asked difficult things, so I'm sorry if I got anyone upset. That wasn't what I was trying to do. I feel bad. I don't want you to feel like you upset me. i am just, I just, I
3: guess I just like,
1: I just have to. You don't like being vulnerable. No. And you had to recount a painful story. Yes. I get yeah. it. And I know that was really hard. So I'm appreciative that you shared it. Um, But I am not going to ever say that I'm not going to ask hard questions again, because I will. Speaking of which, this episode, I'm isn't sh- that
0: what this is going to be about again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, i just mm-hmm.
3: had to say it again because i'm the, huh? the hard questions i just don't necessarily want to hear myself talk about them again all I right well you can add this next up all right, time. right. all
1: right um <laughs> i got you i totally understand um and you know i some of the things i think we talked about were hard for me but i don't feel as um I was the one asking. I mean, you asked me some tough questions. Don't get me wrong, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Feel bad? Okay.
3: No. <laughs> so let's
1: talk about.
0: Yeah, I don't feel bad.
1: Well, you know, um, and I wish I could say that I don't feel bad, right? Like, or like I'm not going to ask hard questions again because I probably will. Because part of it also is, is just it's like in me, like I'm intense. Oh, yeah, we know.
3: I I mean, I don't mind the hard questions. I just, like, for myself, I just, yes, I don't like necessarily being vulnerable about stuff. And the reason I don't like being vulnerable, I guess, is because I know how easily I crumble. And it's like, you know, if I'm getting into that space, it's like I got to prepare myself to, like, take the time to take myself back together again after after I'm done with it. So.
1: Right. I just want to say that the, that as vulnerable as you were is the height of masculinity because that's what it means to be a good man, is to be vulnerable and to share your experiences. And I know for a fact from some of the friends have talked to me who are black and queer that you talking to me and being so open had them in tears and that they were really touched by it. And it it helped them. Be able to see that they could be more open and honest and authentic and have people who don't look like them be receptive so i know i didn't text you when my a uh, couple three of my friends actually said that because again i was surprised that they listened to it um that is a testament to you
3: oh well that that that's i mean that's amazing to hear and yeah that's uh wow um that's all I can say to that right now. I gotta, I gotta process that.
1: <laughs> Here we well, go. Shall Just we get into the, the next
0: set of hard questions? There, Will?
1: Yes. So I think we spoke oh, over each other, but yeah, go it's ahead. It's okay. Um, so this episode is going to be kind of a remix. I'd like to call it from earlier episodes before I was on the podcast, and it was episode nine and ten, and it was called "Social Issues of Science Fiction and Fantasy." And because really this is about an evolution, right? Not just of like the questions I'm going to ask Marshall and Nick, but I think I want us all to look back a year from now and look at our answers today, all four of us. And I want us to look back and be like, how did I evolve? How did I think bigger? How did I think global? How did I become 1% better every day? Because that's really the goal, right? So this isn't about to shame Marshall or Nick about some of the questions that I'm going to ask, because those questions are also going to be funneled through Brent as well. But for the first part is I want you each of you to name a book that you felt like had strong political overtones within speculative fiction that you've read in the last year and why you loved it. So I'm gonna actually start off with Brent because I know he's a voracious reader.
3: So, okay, so my pick is going to be the unbroken. And by C.O. Clark. I know I brought this book up before, but I've got to bring it up again. I loved it because um it's it's speaks to this this one space in um i don't know colonization i guess that you don't really get to see like the the person who has been colonized and doesn't quite feel like they belong with the dominant culture but also doesn't quite feel like they're at home with their native culture and how does that person navigate uh, navigate that journey and like where is home for them and uh this this book does such a uh such a good job of really ch- deconstructing this idea that like oh well if the all the colonizers just leave everything will go back to normal and everything will be great and it's like well no like when you when you bond and connect in that kind of way social political religious everything changes like when two cultures touch everything t- changes you can't there is no clean break that can happen. And, and I think that was, I feel like years from now, people are going to look at that book and be like, this was the start of a movement in fantasy, especially where we really explore like colonization and just how intricate it is. So yeah, that's my pick.
1: Awesome. And, uh, Marshall, what is your pick?
0: I like Brent's pick, but I haven't finished the book. <laughs> I loved it though. I love what I've read so far. Um, I'm going to go. Will you let me, will you let me do Riverland?
1: Yeah. I want you to talk about how you think that's political and what it addressed and things like that. Yeah, go ahead. So the question is more something more on political lines or
0: addressing something that so is it's a social
1: issue, I, I... right? So any social issue can be political. So if there's a social issue that you feel like Riverland touched and explored, then talk about it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay with that pick. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Riverland. And and the main reason being is because it's something that um, kids uh, I, I, working at a high school and teaching children um, and seeing levels of subtle abuse, verbal abuse, and dealing with parents and being in the room when a parent is being abusive and not being able to do much about it um, is hard. Um, And to write a book that addresses, uh, I don't want to say the stigma, but at the same time, like addressing that this is ongoing in many, 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 many households, and these kids don't have a way out of it. Um, and yeah, it's a portal fantasy. (laughs) Yeah, it is a portal fantasy, but the kids are escaping abuse. They're escaping trauma. They're, 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 they're working through this and leaning on each other. And so one of the things that I always encourage my students to do, especially if we're dealing, if, if I know something like that's going on, for example, I think I brought this up on the last show, um, or two episodes ago, uh, when I have queer students whose parents outright refuse to acknowledge them in the way that they need to be acknowledged and it means a lot when there is someone in their life that is that can do that for them so i have a few students who i check in with periodically and say make sure i'm on, i'm i'm someone that they can they can they can come to even though they don't because they don't have that at home, right. Um, or send them to the counselor who I know they're close with so that they can talk to them if they're having a struggle, you know? So I think, I think Fran Wild does a really good job, um, addressing this issue that is, doesn't get enough, um, press is bad word, way to say it, but it doesn't get enough because it happens more often than people want to admit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, Nick, what is your,
2: yeah i am actually going with one i haven't mentioned before which is great um it is the wolf of the north uh, by duncan m hamilton um it's a three book series yeah but it but it it, but addressing uh, addresses colonialism um and things like that in it um where it's a basic little viking village that you know the Empire ended up finding out that they have some good ore there. So they go in and mine it and they completely change their culture, how they live, what they're supposed to do is things like that. Um, super interesting. Reading, and it's a different take uh, that I've read before. Um, and I've read stuff that's better in the past, but I definitely want to bring this one up.
1: Great. Uh, mine honestly was Riot baby by Tochi I think it um, really addresses the, um, racism and um i want to i keep wanting to use the word strategic but structural racism is actually what i mean Uh, i think Mm -hmm. it is also um it's systematic yeah it's systematic um i think it also you, you have two characters who are really endearing and i think for it being a novella there was it's shorter than a novel but there's so much that was being said
0: yeah, that one would definitely be on my list as
1: well. I love that book. So I wanted to revisit this because I was re-listening to some topics and I just wanted to see, you know, where we're all at. Um, so in episode nine, which was part one, you know, Marshall, you talked about wanting to create a world that deals with classism and racism. And since that episode I feel like you've really read a lot of different authors and we've really like gotten a much broader view because you guys were using like Ari Salvatore as a really great example about the Driz series. And what I really want to know is since that episode and what you've read in the past year and a half, what has changed? What have you read that really blew your mind when it came to classism and racism and that allowed you to... Think about your own storytelling and how you can dig deeper.
0: Uh, I can start. Uh, I think what I've read is a lot of amazing books. (laughs) Thanks to you guys for, you know, part of it is prepping for interviews. And in other parts of it are, you have to read this book because it's amazing and you have to read it. So um, the one that's on the forefront of my mind right now is because I've consumed them quite a bit because the show just came out on Netflix, which I started watching by the way. Will I meant to text you the other day about Shadow and Bone? Um, but um, Six of Crows that duology and then the Shadow and Bone series I think does a does a great job with this. I mean, and and I feel like it's it's dealing with racism, but also classism at the same time and mixing them because you know people from all races are also getting these abil- have these abilities right and so they're butting up against different parts of society um as they try to move through the world and navigate their powers and that kind of thing and of course there's war and all that and stuff involved as well but i think it's really interesting how how she does that um so I, and as far as my own writing is that part of the question too
1: yes like how has the reading other authors mm-hmm. and like who are really like dealing with um race and social issues in a science fiction or fantasy element, how has that made you also look at your own work?
0: Yeah, it's 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 making me, especially since I'm still finishing the um my current work, making me think that I well, especially in revision, which we'll talk about more on the next episodes probably. Um, but thinking about revising my world in such a way to where I'm acknowledging some of the things are already in my head but I'm not doing a good job in this draft right now doing it right because I do have these layers of um racism obviously is kind of on the top but then there's also a, a I, mean, I am addressing class poverty and stuff like that as as, as who's being consumed by which side um in, in in my current work so that's that's kind of It's making me really think about my revision and making sure I'm really hitting those, uh, making sure that comes through in the way that I'm intending.
1: Awesome. So um, I'm going to ask Nick a different question because that one was just for Marshall, but I'm going to actually ask Brent a question first. Brent, what have you read in the last year that's made you have an aha moment? when it comes to social issues and that maybe pushed you in a way to dig deeper into your own work?
3: Aha moment. Ooh, okay. Um, I want to say, I wish I had like my spreadsheet up that I keep with everything that I've read. Um, Black Sun by Rebecca Ronhorse. Uh, I had an aha moment with how with how she dealt with um, this role of r- religion and how um, it can be, which I already knew, but I just never really like, saw it played the way she played it, With how it can be this um, apparatus for um, decadence and power in a society and how... Um, It can profess one thing and then completely, completely not actually ever live up to it. At least that's kind of what I got from that world is that, um, yeah, that, that you had that going on. And also that, um, that it is very possible to take, um, to take these different cultural elements and combine them in a way that isn't disrespectful and also, um, is also creative. I think she 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 says something that I, I wholeheartedly agree with. Is like this expectation of um, BIPOC writers to when we're creating fantasy worlds that we have to create them as historically accurate as possible to like the place we're drawing from. Whereas like white writers, they can just throw five headed dragons in and they don't have to answer why potatoes are in in Europe when potatoes weren't really there before you know they don't have to, they don't have to answer those intricate questions so i guess for me i just loved that like it was an aha moment for me it was like be bold do what you want to do with your world and and don't worry about the accuracy
1: yes exactly uh so nick this is my question for you in episode 9 at the 3124 mark you had said um in cont- in co- in context you guys were talking about racism and political issues, and you had said uh, you tend to shy away with books that do that. You are trying to escape reality, and you're trying to think of what does the economy look like, the education system, in like the future. So I want you to think about like where you were at that time. Do you still avoid things that have a political overtone? And has your thought process changed about how you look at things that are quote unquote political now after having a, 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 wider books to read?
2: Wow. What a question. Um, damn. So I would say the, the type of headspace I was in then, I still was very much strictly reading for pleasure. Um, and guilty pleasure at, the, at that um so I, I would say i wasn't well-rounded um in my readings and i wasn't challenging myself um at all in what i was reading so i i think i'm i i don't know i think i'm one of the most open people right now into what they're reading as far as like what i'm willing to read i i don't i don't turn away from anything right now um So when it comes to reading political overtone books and stuff like that, it's no longer an issue or anything like that. Like I've been able to bypass my internal biases on a lot of things this last year. So it's really helped
1: out the last year and a half. Oh my gosh. And let me ask you this. um, How has that informed your writing your growth? What do you feel like has been like the biggest shift in your writing since reading so many different works now and being so open to different authors, how has that affected your writing?
2: Um, I think it it just puts more tools in your tool basket Um, for starters. For me specifically, it's the world building. Um, It's the things that I didn't look at before from an open lens. Um, looking at things as, as in a very restrictive lens means you've got shit world building. You get a couple things right, but then you kind of muck up everything else. Um, so for me, it's really helped out my, my world building and my characters. Um, being able to create diverse characters that are, you know, my main characters have different voices and opinions and thoughts and things like that now.
1: Awesome. So the next question is going to go to Marshall. So Marshall, um, you and Nick, um, and at Mark forty one fifteen in episode nine, you had mentioned this, and um, you guys were talking about representation. In the I was hoping media. i get a
0: timestamp too.
1: You will um, of black men and women, and you said something that really stuck with me. Okay, because I really want to. I want to talk about this with you and Brent. You said hip hop culture doesn't help either. And that was in reference to how black culture has been portrayed. And then Nick at Mark 4123 had said one of the things that gets under my skin a lot of people in hip hop complain, and I'm assuming about like representation in the media. Have you listened to your own music? How are you portraying yourself? So I want to talk about this. Because I think it's really important, and I'm going to use myself as an example for a minute, because Brent challenges me all the time. And I think to me it was also about being nuanced, right? That we need to see multiple different forms of media and entertainment and that it's not always going to be happy-go-lucky or it's not always going to be like, you know, this is the thug life. So in that comment Marshall to hip hop culture. Can you talk about where you were at now at that point, And then talk about where you're at now. Like, do you have the, that same feeling? And if so, why, like what, what is your thought process on it?
0: I'm going to answer this in a different way. Um, and I'm going to start yeah. and, I, and I'm going to, and I'm going to do this kind of on purpose because I I've told you guys that um, I've been on this commission locally, right. To, um, to deal with the inherent issues in this town. I can kind of leave it at that, right? Um, I was asked to do a presentation and I presented, this was, you know, nine months ago or so or eight months ago. So I, I made this presentation, talked about my life, talked about how I was raised, talked about where I lived and and what I want to see kind of where, you know, in this town, right? I talked about how I was called the N-word most of my life up until I was, you know, probably in middle school it dropped off, but other names took place, right? So at the end of this, you know, and I was was given 15 minutes, I took probably 25 minutes. At the end of the 25 minutes, I'm looking at this group on Zoom, mostly white folks, some Native folks um, as well, and one other black guy. And one of the first questions asked to me after that presentation was, well, what about the N word in hip hop? And basically what they did was they negated my entire presentation and leaning on this stereo, you know, now I don't want to say stereotypical, but what I'm saying is leaning on this. Well, what, why, you know, they say it in hip hop and this, that, you know, and that was their first thing. And then that's all they wanted to talk about. So. I am not saying that I don't, didn't listen to hip hop. I, I grew up in the nineties. I was, you know, Tupac and Biggie and rapping Forte and, you know, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony is still one of my favorite groups, but I don't really listen to it anymore. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, I was kind of getting tired of hearing that word over and over. Right. I get why hip, I get why hip hop exists the way it does. I don't have any problem with hip hop. I love. um I love hip hop and I think hip hop culture is, is, is amazing. And it's part of being black. It's part of black culture. Right. But my, I think responses like I got that night after that presentation and putting myself out there and them immediately going to hip hop frustrated me because I never mentioned hip hop ever in that presentation. Right. That was not even, I never mentioned it. So I feel like those, that's what a lot of folks think black people have to be and are. Does that make sense? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I, I think I, I where I was at then was I was just frustrated with being stereotyped and fresh and when I especially growing up in the 90s, 80s and 90s, you know, I, I you know, people were like, man, you're the whitest black guy I know. And that's because they're all listening to hip hop and they're all watching what black people should be on MTV and all that kind of stuff, right? Or what they think it should be. So I think that's where I was coming from with that comment back then. Um, and where I'm at now is kind of what I said at the beginning of the answer um, is I I, I think black people need to be able to express themselves in the ways that we do, but My fear is that sometimes that's the lens people, the white, the white folks look at us through and they put us all in that box. And that frustrates me because I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, I'm a writer, I'm a, you know, and, and I, I'm all these things. I I can like hip hop too, but I'm not going to be, I, I'm not trying to, uh, live the thug life, but I have, a I have cousins that do, and I don't care. I, I love that people can live however they want. Right. But I get frustrated living in the places, the spaces that I have grown up and having to be put, keep begin putting this box because That's all they know black people to be right. It's a very long winded answer. And I hope I answered your question.
1: You totally did. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of like clarify social issues well, like when going back to that conversation. So, I guess my question for you, Brent, is when you hear um, that opinion, like, tell me your thoughts when we were when Marshall was talking about it.
3: So, I think unfortunately, if if it wasn't that, they would have found something else to invalidate your um, statements because that is unfortunately their goal is to invalidate, like. Like and and I think that's why, <laughs> that's that's why like you see this. Th- it's weird because um I often run into this being black and gay, and white people immediately. And I see it, I see it happen all the time. The minute I tell them I'm gay, it's like they breathe a sigh of relief. They're like, oh okay, you're not one of those black people. You're a black person that you're not you're not really married to your blackness because. You're not.
0: As yes, exactly. Either. Because
3: they they have their they have their idea of what it is, and so anytime they run up against anything that that goes against that, they um they 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 either they either let that guard down for whatever reason, or they bristle at it, or you know they try to like crack a joke about. It. So I think they all there there will always be an excuse. There will always be something about, like, there's always going to be a reason for them to not listen to us asking for our humanity. It's the same thing you see with gay people. Oh, well, if y'all guys weren't so flamboyant at Pride, or, you know, maybe if y'all dressed a little more conservatively, or, hey, could we chill on the leather? It's always going to be something with the dominant group when they don't want to acknowledge your humanity. And the reason they probably ran to that is because you probably were killing them with a whole bunch of factual statements and they couldn't handle it.
1: You know, I asked that tough question because I want to also put it back in a relationship to writing. How has that made you want to write more nuanced characters, you know, that are black? I mean, has it, has it not like, you know, let's talk about like the evolution of like what you see in literature and then what you're really trying to get across.
0: Yeah. I, I think the main thing for me is that, um and it's, e- I want to say it's easier now, I guess, because of uh, how geek culture has really invaded pop culture. Um But if I'm writing, depending on what I'm writing, um you know, if I, if I have a black character, why can't the black character sit around and and, and play D and D with his buddies, right. Without getting shit for it. Why can't, why can't the black character, you know, um, I I don't know. Does, does he have to have an Impala? Does he have to listen to hip hop? Does he have to have a system in his car? Like does, you know, those are the things that, that I get frustrated with. So for, so for me, I want to see, I, I'm, my goal in writing black characters, obviously going forward and, and, in writing I'm already working on is that they are actual people with humanity, like Brent said, and it's not going to fit the stereotypes that are expected because it's, that's what they want. That will make them feel comfortable and making, and I, and I'm not here for that anymore. Like I'm tired of making people feel comfortable. Like I can talk to anybody. I can sell anything. Like I'm good at talk. I'm good with people. But I'm at the point in my life at age 42, and my wife and I have been talking about this a lot, I, blend, I, I can blend in really well and get along with a lot of people. But I'm kind of tired of certain folks, and I don't give them as much time anymore. And I'm pretty close to telling a couple like, people off. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and I want to see characters doing that. I want to see characters calling out the racism when it happens and not brushing it off. Right. Um, And and that kind of thing. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I guess I'm still kind of ranting from before. So
1: No, I don't think you're ranting. I think this is a, you know, like I'm throwing, I think I would say a hard question. You know, you have to think about it and it's not scripted. I didn't give these questions to you beforehand. So I think everyone's doing a really great job. Oh, we know, buddy. We know. Sorry, here goes. Will's going to get the hate (laughs) from everyone. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We're doing fine. It's good. I know. I guess for Brent, my question to you is when it comes to social issues, you know, and when you're writing, what do you want to grapple with? Like, what do you want to write about and be like, Um, especially like we've talked about this, like on the pride episode about the humanity, showing the people the humanity and that there's some people want to do such and such other people want to do such and such so what i always get from you is that you really want to write a nuanced human experience you know so talk to me about like your your goals do you do you shy away from political issues do you lean into them or and i want to say quote-unquote political right because i feel like if you are black in america it is suddenly political if you are gay in america it is political and then when you meet those intersectionalities it's like you know america sometimes throws up their arms and be like i don't want this so talk to me about that
3: yeah though um i definitely so I guess I've I've said this before but like one of my uh one of my driving goals I guess in writing fiction is in a lot of ways I'm writing for my younger self and I'm trying to I'm trying to give him the words and the stories that he needed to have maybe gotten through some of the things he went through with a few less scars and bruises out of it, and that's 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 a big approach to a lot of my writing. So yeah, it's going to be political because there's <laughs> there's so many um yeah it's just that I can't help it. It's naturally who I am. I mean, my sister calls me the social activist of the family all the time. But <laughs> as she jokes, she was like, you know, you can't bring certain stuff up around him. He's going to get passionate, and it's like, yeah, that's that's what happens. So um, I guess for me. I don't want to do 101 stuff. Like, I don't, I'm not explaining the basics of structural issues to a dominant audience. You should already have this information. And if you don't have it, then you're not, you're probably not my audience. Like, I want to dig into the intra-community issues, the issues that, like, um, the, the intersections, like, you know, the things that, like, okay, we both may be of the same race necessarily, but our, we have class issues or we have um, re- issues of religion that divide us or, or even, um, and it's interesting, like even within the, you know, uh, within the gay community, there's, there's issues of attractiveness, of pretty privilege, of people who are able to skate through the world being awful because they have a set of abs, you know, so... Um, those are the kind of things I want to explore. Word. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it with that one politician, Aaron, whatever his name is. The dude is horrible, horrible congressman. But because he has a nice body, these white gays were lusted over him and talking about, oh, well, maybe we need to, you know, accept him and bring him into the community and show him love. No, fuck that. You are you are horrible. I don't give a shit. You came out finally, like you made it yeah. your business to attack your own people. So, anyway, don't want to die trap, but what I kind of want to get at is like in my writing, I want to dig into the intra community, because I think in intra community issues is where you find the really nuanced characters and where you find the really interesting things. Because I thought about something Marsh was saying, like, you know, the person who listens to hip hop. Like, I think about myself, like, I love hip hop, but I also go to raves. And it's like, you know, those two things, mm-hmm. though, they say uh, in the stereotype, though, they say jive, but then I have to correct people. I'm like, Well, house music, EDM music is actually black music if you do what you if you actually knew the thing you were digging into. So I think a lot of the a lot of these things, a lot of these um things that we think of as stereotypes are things that aren't necessarily for a certain group of people is is also due to just a lack of understanding of history and you know, so yeah, to make a long story short, I just want to dig into the Get past the 101 stuff and really dig into, like, the intra-community issues and dig into how rich history is for most cultural groups.
1: Thanks for answering those tough questions. Um, so I just want to go over to what Nick originally said at Mark forty-one twenty-three. 23 One of the things that gets under my skin, a lot of people in hip-hop complain about, and I'm thinking... Maybe representation. Have you listened to your own music? How are you portraying yourself? And just for the audience, because you don't have the video feed, Nick is uh, having his hands over his eyes like he is ashamed. But this is important. So I want to talk to you, Nick, about where you were then and what you think about what you said. Because I'm I'm assuming from your body gestures you're embarrassed. But I want to talk to you about like where you were then and where you are now because that's super important.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I I hide my head, man, because it's so baffling. I know what I said. I understand why I said it. But I also know that what I said was through a white lens, as simple as as I can say. When it comes to issues of how you present yourself, how you act, how you do this, how you do that. There's only one standard people are looking at or were looking at to say, hey, if you act like anything other than this, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going back to that time frame, that's kind of what, what, what my mindset was like. If you, if you want respect, you act respectable, quote unquote, right? If you want to be treated this way, you act this way. But really, all that shit's just a sham. Like And and I realize that now, and a lot of that's through my reading and my writing. Um, One of them, I love this book. Can't wait for the rest of the series. Um, Legendborn. Um, Such a good book that really addresses what I was thinking and what was wrong with it. Because even if someone does act a certain way, represents themselves a certain way, do things a certain way, or I'll just say it the white way in in a lot of things does not mean they get the same treatment. Does not mean they get the same respect. I think that was a hard, that that was a lesson I learned um, without realizing I was learning it. Um, And that was just through my reading. Um, So yeah.
1: Awesome. So I guess I'm going to throw that back to Marshall and Nick, Marshall and Nick, Marshall and brand, you know, hearing Nick's, what he said, and then hearing his journey, how does that make you feel?
3: Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, so what I will say to you, Nick, is that you, you, it probably was a white lens, but I will tell you, I have many, many family members who feel the exact same way, who say the exact same thing. And, I'm always the one that has to battle them on it, but I think there is, um, and that's why I'll go back to intra-community. There is a, um, there is this idea that um, the only way we will get past oppression or being viewed negatively is to be respectable. And it's like I always have to point out Martin Luther King was wearing his Sunday's best, and they still holds them down like a dog in the street like it 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 doesn't matter like just, there's some people. there's there's people that literally no matter what we do there will there will always be something wrong with it I will always be the, the only the only thing we can do that would make certain people happy is to be dead and go away, and even then it'd probably still be an issue Well, because I you know what in fact it is still an issue I'm thinking about it now there was um there was. In the town where I'm from in Louisiana, there was a hotel built over a funeral um, cemetery that was mostly black people. And they didn't even take the time to let the families get the chance to get the bodies out of the ground. They just built the hotel right over it. So it's like there's literally no point in our life where anything, even after our lives, anything we can do that will get us to get basic, decent humanity and respect. So... So yeah, so that and and knowing that and, and I and and I also confess like when I was in I think high school teenage years, there was a point too where I also felt that way where I felt like, oh man, well maybe if we stop cussing so much, maybe if we stop saying this word, or maybe if we did this, they'd leave us alone. But the truth is they'll never leave us alone. There's always gonna be something that will disturb them and bother them and and be a reason for be a reason for hatred. And I think for at least I, I, at least from the black side of it, I, I feel sad for them because I know where it's coming from. It's coming from this idea of like trying to make sense of this, this, just this hate. And it's like trying to understand it, trying to make it something that you can, that you can calculate and figure out and dismantle. And the truth is it, it doesn't make sense. So there's nothing you can do that will make that go away. So, yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. you, you bring that up and I, it kind of reminds me of two quote unquote religious things, right? Uh, and when people say, oh, you're sweating like a whore in church or you just because you put lipstick on a pig, don't make it pretty.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Like those, those type of comments, I, I feel when we allow that type of thinking, you ruin what you're doing. Like, and it... it it perpetuates something that's terribly wrong. I'm flabbergasted by this news of Louisiana
3: and their <laughs> damn shenanigans. Like,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, so they
3: built the hotel right on top of the cemetery, did not even let the families get a chance to try to move their loved ones. It was just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I hope they're getting haunted by a bunch of black So apparently
3: folks. the hotel is very haunted. And we all say that's why. Good. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey,
3: hey, hey, is this Lake Charles? Yes, Lake Charles. Yes, this is Lake Charles. And it got, it got screwed up pretty bad by one of the last hurricanes, too. So and I was like, karma. Oh, man. Bad karma, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and I'm going to
0: kind of piggyback a little bit on what Brent was saying. I also have folks in my family, too. It's the same thing, right? But kind of what... um to, to go back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, uh, it doesn't, it, and like Brent said, it doesn't matter. And I'm going to keep it to my, uh, myself here. It doesn't matter what I do. Okay. I'm still going to be the angry black man to the people I work with. Certain people I work with, I'm still going to be the only black guy at my golf club. I, I coach the golf team. I've been there 10 years, right? I, I, I have been a paying member and up, you know, and up on my bill for almost that whole time, right? And I still get shit from some of the staff when other people do the exact same thing. It doesn't actually matter what I do. I could be like like Burma was saying, I could be wearing my Sunday best and go out there and still get shit um, at work and I'm still in trouble again, right? Why? are these folks allowed to do x y and z and if i even just think about doing x i'm i'm close to losing my job right it would it, it, the only way out is to leave and this is something that i told that that uh that commission that i'm on for the city right now is i want to leave i don't want to be here really anymore <laughs> i just don't i'm tired of this shit right um, I'm not saying it's me be better anywhere else, but at least I would have a larger community to immerse myself in, right? With some more diversity, right? Um, so, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I don't think I don't think there's anything I can do to change their minds because, like Nick was saying, that they're gonna look at me that way no matter what I do, right?
1: Yeah. So. I just have one more question for the three of you is what keeps you writing social issues into your work for that?
0: What I, what I, for the reason I just said is because when I publish something and when they see the shit that they've put me through reflected in a certain way on the page, then that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want them to see my name on a book and be like, Oh, that guy gave so much shit to. Oh, look at him. He's, you know what I mean. And I don't, I don't care what they think, but I want to show them that I am using the shit they're putting me through to make better characters, to make better worlds, and to um, make myself better. You know, Um, I had some else I was gonna say, but I'm gonna leave it at that.
1: Nick,
2: yeah, um, you know, for me. It's about representing those who are underrepresented, um, bringing to to light um, issues that are swept under the rug. Um, and as as a white writer, I will naturally have a. I feel like I would have a naturally broader audience um, because I'm white and. Uh, Okay, I I just feel like as as a white writer, it's almost my responsibility to talk about certain social issues because I, you know, I may have the opportunity to have a bigger net um, to cast and a bigger audience who's initially going to read me. Um, I think as as a and I know you hate this word, well, as a white community, we need to be better about talking about these things and being open to being wrong about our previous thoughts, Um, because we're all in this together and. We got to do better together and be inclusive.
1: Um, Also, I no longer hate that word because after Brent schooled me on it, (laughs) I really understand the point of view. And I get it. I get it now. So thank you for educating me, Brent. I appreciate you doing the hard work.
3: Sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, I guess my answer to that question is that um, I guess it's twofold. Well, it's twofold, but they but they also overlap. So um I write I I think it goes back to something you said, Will, is that my existence as a black gay man in America is just inherently political. Like every breath I take and is <laughs> inherently political. And I and I do like write fiction to figure out my own shit. I'm unraveling myself in fiction and and I guess that in and it of itself is a political act. And I also think of this too, like the the mere fact that I am black and gay and writing fiction in America would have been complete, total fantasy to my ancestors. That would have been like, what the hell kind of shit were you smoking yeah. to think that that's even something that could be real? So just so my every word that I put on the page is um is political. But as for why I actively think about putting politics into stories too, I think um look, the people who don't agree with me or who think that just me being here is a problem, they are loud. They are loud, they are vocal. They do not mince words and I think anyone who wants to resist those voices has to be just as loud and just as unflinching with their words and their imaginations too. So,
1: And this has been just keep writing.
3: <laughs> well,
0: you're not going to say why, how, why you keep writing. Will? no, 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 we
3: no, no,
2: no, no, Will, what keeps you writing social issues? I'm not sure I do Yeah, You got to answer some, at least one question.
1: I'm not sure I do, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. So that's why I can't answer that really per se.
3: I think the same thing applies, maybe not to the same degree, but the same thing applies to you about your existence being political. Like to be, to be queer in America is to be political. To, to write about yes. the kind of, and I'm going to use your word here, your profound love that you write about, that's political.
1: That's a good point. You know what? It's. I think for me right now, just where I'm at today in my headspace, it's hard for me to have any type of analytical look at my work and me as a person right now because I'm so uh, currently upset. So I think that's why I was like, I don't know if I do. When you're right, I do. And, you know, in my story, something political is always happening and it tends to be about – class systems or minorities or women, you know, it's addressed in that. But, um, I think I, it's, it's more like I'm writing about it because it's more built into my experiences. You know, I'm not thinking about it as I'm doing my first five drafts. I'm thinking about it like later on when I get feedback from like the three of you. And then I'm like, oh, you're right. That is what it is about because I don't think I realized about it. And I'll give this example. Someone read parts of Renegada, the book I'm currently working on, and they said this is really about government control and about systems being messed up. And I just was like i didn't I didn't expect that. but then when I looked at it, it is a lot about trauma and about like where I'm at as far as dealing with how things went when I was a kid and everything,
3: yeah. Like and the thing, I mean, since I've read all of your work, I'm I'm just gonna end it with commentary on all of y'all stuff, the political I see in each. So, Will, in your stuff, what I saw was very much um, like I said, the profound love that's political, just two men getting to exist and be deeply in love with each other and without any real complications behind that. Um that's but you also deal with like questions of power. Like uh, who should have it and how how it can be wielded. And Nick, your story that I read, like you very much, were dealing with the way we discard our veterans and the way that like we throw them back into the world and then we just kind of we kind of expect them to float along and and don't give them any means to deal with their trauma. And and Marshall, yours was very much dealing with like just like. How disposable black bodies are in society, how how easily they're they're wanted, they're used and then they're discarded. And so, yes, I think I. I, Yeah. So I would say you, you all definitely do it and you do it well. Oh, thanks, Brian. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by
0: writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.